Welcome, everyone, to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I'm James Moore. And today we are going to be discussing the highly popular Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. It's a fantasy romance. It takes place at a war college and focuses mainly on the writer's quadrant who are training to be selected as writers by dragons. So this discussion will contain lots of spoilers. So if you haven't read it yet, make sure to go read it and then come back when you're ready to hear the full discussion. Um, what were your first impressions, first thoughts? Well, I I, I enjoyed reading the book. I thought, I, I thought it was a really good book, the way it was done. Um, I I really don't have any real problems with the book, except for the fact that it's it's one in a series. And I give it props and points for not really ending on a cliffhanger. Uh, basically, what she did was uh, basically the first book is Act One, and even within that Act One, it looked like it, there was an attempt to make it three acts within that Act One. You know, she kind of worked on that, but I don't think it was really a success in making a, a, you know, a three act thing as far as the whole story of the rebels and and all that sort of thing because that's got to continue on into the next book too so i that's the only detraction i really have for as far as the story i i heard the audio book that's how i got this absorbed this book and um i think it would have been uh there's going to be a little tweak that they did at the end as far as the narration that we'll talk about later that you know i'm kind of you know, takes takes off another half a star. But overall, I think it was a, a good story and I was engaged and was wondering what's going on. I, I would like to describe a book to you guys as my introduction to how I felt <laughs> about this book. In this book, there's a, a young woman. She decides to go to what I'm going to call murder college. And but she her she has a parental figure in a high place of power, so she's at kind of an advantage, but kind of a disadvantage because she's well-known. She's got a unique hair color. She has a medical condition that she doesn't want people to know about. She instantly makes a female BFF. She already kind of knows one of the guys there. She makes eye contact with another man who instantly she's like, that man hates me. They end up falling in love and having very vigorous sex in her dorm room. She survives through cunning, not just through strength, um, and ends up being at the top of her class. That book isn't Fourth Wing. <laughs> that book is The Blood Trials by N.E. Davenport. And I'm using it as an example to say, most of this book, I was going, this is just the blood trials with dragons. So while I had fun with it, the murder college trope was a little too strong. And I just felt like I was reading a book I had already read before. Enjoyed, but didn't feel quite unique enough. So which one was done first? Do you know? The Blood Trials was published in uh, on April 5th, 2022. I'm not saying that there's a plagiarism problem. I'm saying it's a zeitgeist problem, probably. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, a lot of the like dystopian fantasy kind of rebellion types of books tend to have a lot of similar... Uh, plot devices and tropes. So I've seen it compared to quite a few other books. Like this is exactly like this book because of X, Y, Z, this, you know, the same thing. We're like, well, this, you could replace any book with this, this plot and just add in dragons or add in these special powers or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely a, a problem with the genre. 
and maybe with the books that reach peak popularity within the genre, uh, people tend to like reading these types of books. As far as my initial impression, I so I went into this very skeptical for a few reasons. One, uh, I hate series. I've been pretty vocal about that over the years that we've done this podcast. I feel like in a series, the first book will grab you. It's really good. But like James said, well, he said before we started the podcast that you're kind of forced to read the next one because you're left with this cliffhanger. So I don't like that. I feel like the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever books never live up to the first one. So I am always really hesitant to start a series and I try to avoid them if I can. Um, I was also hesitant because of how popular it is. Sometimes things are hyped up so much that you go into it and you're just kind of disappointed. But um, I actually really, really enjoyed this book uh, way more than I thought I would. Um, I like the romance element added into it. Um, I liked the dragons and their personalities. I am really nervous going into reading the second book because I think it's it's going to be a filler book preparing people because there's supposed to be five books in the series. So how are they going to fill that? I don't know. Are we going to get other characters that become main characters? I don't know. But I really enjoyed this book for what it was. I've been enjoying, uh, you know, the TikTok algorithm knows when you've finished a book. So the second I finished it, all my TikToks were about uh, fourth wing and theories. So I've been really enjoying kind of speculating on what's going to happen next. Uh, some of the hidden nuggets in there. Uh, so it was definitely a fun experience. Um, do you feel like it's worth the hype that people are making it out to be <laughs> they're all making faces at me. okay that's a no <laughs> it's it's not a bad book i read right through it quick read had fun with it it just felt like a ride i'd already been on and enjoyed you know like there's nothing wrong with going on that big thunder mountain railroad a second time but now you know where all the twists and the dips are and it's a little less surprising well you know now that i've heard what kate had to say about this book when she was describing the book that's not fourth wing i'm just a tad disappointed now i i hadn't heard about the book because i guess i just read in in different genres you know it's not my normal thing so that and on TikTok, I mean, I haven't I haven't been involved in or watched or seen any of the extreme hype for this book that, um, you know, that Amber's talking about. So, I mean, it's for me, when I started reading the book, there wasn't a, there wasn't hype to live up to. You know, I hadn't really seen or heard of it really until you guys told me about it. So, yeah, it it was a, as far as living up to the hype, if, if if the hype is what you guys said it was, um I'm imagining that it was there was an ex, some extreme hype and I don't think it would live up to a whole lot of hype. I mean, it was a good book and everything. Now I'm a little bit got a little bit less respect for it after I heard that it's basically, you know, an, another book redone and even reading that book on my own. There was a lot of stuff that was tropish and telegraphed, but there were some things in it that that uh, really gave me a twist. So I, you know, enjoyed reading it, enjoyed reading the story. And it wasn't too much of that tropey stuff. But, but some examples like, you know, when she had, when the main character had her knife against some guy's groin, I was like, oh, she, she's got to get with him. That's that's <laughs> how it works. You know, friend, uh, enemies to lovers, that was telegraphed. And the childhood friend um, not getting with him was kind of telegraphed. But um, in my mind, the whole relationship between um, her and the dragons, that wasn't telegraphed to me as far as her getting two. 
you know, that was a, a twist for me. So it was it, to answer your question, kind of my imagined hype that you guys experienced. It, maybe it came short of that, but still was a good book. Yeah. So I think that um, for me, I think it lived up to the hype because I was so skeptical going into it that I thought I would hate it. It's like, okay, now I see why people really enjoy it. I mean, if you think back to like Twilight days and how popular <laughs> that book was, and then, and and how awful, really, really awful that book actually was, if you go back and, and look at it, um, as far as like how well it was written. Um, but how much came from that book? I mean, we had vampire mania for years and years and years after that. And then, you know, zombies were a big thing for a a while. Now I feel like it's kind of, well, and then the dystopian stuff was really popular. Now it's kind of like the dragons and like the fantasy, like the, um, fairies those are all really popular right now. So I think it makes sense that a lot of them will kind of overlap in some ways, but um, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying, Kate, if it has that many, that many similarities. Um, but people had the same complaint with Harry Potter too, where all of a sudden now there's all these like wizard school books, and then they have a lot of the same similar things going on. Um, but one thing I thought was really interesting is that uh, so Violet, the main character, she's got this undisclosed disability. It's never really named in the book, but it's described as, you know, her shoulders pop out really easily. She's brittle. She calls herself weak. She's called frail. Um, So you can kind of speculate on, you know, what you think it might be. But the author actually came out and said that it's um, EDS, which is a, a chronic condition that impacts your connective tissue. Um, so I don't, I, I know I'll butcher it if I try to say the, the full name of it, but, but EDS is, it makes sense for what she has and the author has it as well. Um, so it makes sense that she would give the main character the same thing. So, wh- but what do you think about that as this kind of like plot device that she's seen as frail, she gets injured re- really easily, but then she also says that that's why she can keep pushing forward because she's so used to having this pain all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'd i heard of the disease. I actually figured out what it was while I was reading it. because so I was like, oh, this is that thing I can't pronounce. Ehlers-Danlos, I think is how it's pronounced. But I'd I'd heard of it. I remember reading about it in grad school too. And it made sense to me because I I have chronic pain. Uh, I get muscle spasms in my rib cage, which makes it feel like I'm being stabbed. And uh, so now when anything else hurts, I'm like, whatever, man, it's not the stabby. So I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when that character was talking about like, this is not even my baseline pain. I'm like, yeah, no, I get that. I, I understand. So, so that made sense to me. And uh, I liked that she took something that could have been a disadvantage and frequently was a disadvantage and sort of showed the, the silver lining or the, the slight advantage that it, it gave her mentally mm-hmm. uh, instead of physically. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also have chronic pain. I have um, a spinal fusion and it's kind of the same thing where any pain that I have in comparison is like, this is a piece of cake. I mean, I had two C-sections with my kids and I was like, whatever, I'm like, I'm just going to walk right after this. This is nothing compared to my last surgery. And so I could see that mindset totally of like, 
whatever, I've broken bones before, whatever, I've done this before, like, I'm just going to push through and, and get through it. So I, I, I really actually appreciated that part of, of the story. Yeah, I, well, I just learned something. I'm not going to try and compete with y'all on the pain scale, because <laughs> all I've got is getting old and the pain that comes with that, which is something that's gradual and it's not as big a deal as what y'all just talked about. Uh, in the book, as far as Violet's situation, I just assumed that it was just a, a smart choice by the author to make her undersized and to give her that disability. Because, you know, you want to underdog the root for uh, to see a story about somebody that's like fully capable and, and training for this all their lives and they're ready for it and everything that we, you know, why read that book? But um, it, like uh, Kate said, though, it um, it gave us insight to her as a character and in an arc as far as her using her, her she strategized in our mind how to get through it in an unconventional way than uh, all the other candidates, which, you know, made it interesting. And I like the fact that that stratagem, she had to be flexible with it. It didn't work all the time and she couldn't stick with it. You can't poison, you're not going to get a chance to poison all your, <laughs> your enemies before you go out there and fight them. So um, she had to adjust, make adjustments and she had to receive some, I guess you can call it kindness from, um, you know, her dragon, you know, her dragon's like, you know, I'm going to put on this special suit and so that you won't fall off and all that stuff because, you know, she does need some outside help. She's not fully, you know, independent, but she's gone as far as she can with the with what she has. So, you know, she ends up being a character you empathize with and root for. Yes, yeah, so I thought that was interesting, too, how, you know, she is getting adapt adaptations for herself, like the, the saddle and all that and the smaller daggers. Um, but there's also like the common trope in fantasies, too, where you do have the perceived weak female that's just constantly being saved at the last second by the male main characters. And so if I had to pick something that bothered me, I would say it's that like, you know, just waiting, like you just know, like, okay, at the last second, Satan's gonna be there, and he's gonna save her. Um, and there were definitely circumstances where it was all her, she did it, but you kind of know in the back of your mind, like, if something really was gonna happen, he would step in and so that kind of took some of the like pressure off for her to be perfect, which on the other hand is really good because sometimes you get these like perfect main characters that, yeah, you come in being super weak and then all of a sudden you can kill anybody and everybody and you're so amazing and a natural at this. And that's um, kind of hard to swallow too. Uh, so I do think that there was a pretty good balance there between, okay, what can she do herself? What's realistic for her to be able to do? I did think it was kind of unrealistic how um, the dragons are like, well, I'll just save you as many times as I need to versus the other people fall off the dragons and they're like, okay. So obviously there must be something about her in particular that we haven't learned yet that they're willing, like everyone's willing to make exceptions for her, um, whether it's because of her brother and his role in things or even her parents that we haven't really figured out yet. Um, so there has to be some other reason why the dragons would be like, yes, well, one, there's two of them picking her and it's not just, oh, you're, you know, we, we really believe in you and your abilities because at that point she was not really showing 
a, a ton of strength in her abilities besides her brain. But as a dragon rider, she hadn't really showed anything above and beyond. So it has to do with probably more of her connection with people in her life. Uh, so let me ask you this question. As I was listening to the book, I thought that all of that consideration that she was getting from her dragon was because of her willing to risk her life for the feather tail. And these dragons bank a lot of um they they're very invested in their young you know mm-hmm. and uh, she kept the feather tail from being attacked and killed and i was thinking that that was enough to you know say okay i won't let this person you know die from just falling off my back but you're saying that it's, it's got to be more than that well i think there's a couple layers to it i think one it's her connection because obviously zayden knew her brother um brennan before he even met violet and then his mated dragon happens to pick her you know i think her saving the feather tails why she got the two of them but i think it was already kind of predetermined that that she was going to get that and then that also makes me think that her and zayden are endgame mates you know because they're they're dragons when they did. you had to say mates <laughs> i hate that that's term they, for humans that's what they say though i know uh-huh. <laughs> well okay I- i'll say this she's she's the main character so we all knew she was gonna get a badass dragon she wasn't getting some run-of-the-mill average dragon she was getting something badass she was probably going to get something unexpected as well because the most badass dragon we saw was zayden's dragon there was already a connection between Satan and her. It makes sense that it would be a, a dragon that would be connected to him because otherwise their whole like enemies to lovers thing just doesn't make sense. They were never enemies to begin with. I'll go off on that later. But like, I was never worried. You you mentioned the lack of tension, Amber, because Zayden would just come and save her. There was lack of tension because she's the main character at a murder college. <laughs> you know, she's not dying and the rest of the book is not blank pages. So, you know, she's getting through all of this, no matter how she is. So there was just no, no tension of like, she could die on this parapet. She could die at the threshing. Like, no, just she's not. <laughs> So that that's a problem for me with the murder college trope is that there's no tension of the worst case scenario because the book still needs a main character. So right. that that's where maybe multiple POVs might have been helpful because then maybe, you, you know, like Game of Thrones, where just because you have a, a POV doesn't mean that you're safe. I do think that it was kind of low stakes, like even though we had like a main character die at the end, um, her protector Liam, he didn't feel like that much of a main character. Like I was waiting for her best friend to die. Um, Dane, I know he can't die yet, but I was, you know, kind of thinking like, oh, well, maybe, um, maybe he'll die in book two. I don't, I think her and Zayden are probably the only ones that are safe, at least for a few books. But yeah, and then it started off where like the person she was talking to fell off the parapet right away. So then I had hope like, oh, okay, this is pretty high stakes. But for the most part, all the people who were dying weren't any of the people we were learning about. So you didn't really care. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. They they fell off the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's really it's a really difficult art to whether it's a, a book or a screenplay, you know, something in a movie to have that main character um, to make you, you know, wonder is that, how, you know, how is this person going to get out of it, even though you really know in the back of your head, like like Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt is not going to die ever in the Mission Impossible movie, but 
there have been scenes when I watched Tom Cruise and I was like, this guy's going to die. There's no, there's no way he's going to get out of this. And then they do it. And, um, and mostly in a theatrical entertaining way. And I, I do admit that that's kind of missing in this book. You know, it seems like, you know, she's, I don't want to say it just too easily because she, you know, she does get hurt. She does break bones. She does get, you know, stabbed and stuff like that. But, you know, she's going to, like you said, she's going to get through it. And, and knowing that this is the first book in the series, especially, they're not going to not have her in it. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even though I'm kind of criticizing the book for not being able to pull it off, but I'm going to recognize it is really tough to do. Yeah. Weirdly, I wanted lower stakes because then I would believe that she could fail and we could go off in a different direction. Like if the people who fail out of dragon riding get to just go to the infantry, okay, well, let now I believe that she might have to deal with that. And that would be not mm-hmm. what she wants at all. You know, then I'd be like, oh, now there's something on the line that could happen yeah. instead of something that can't. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's everything was you do this or you're dead. You do this or you're dead. And you're like, well, okay, well, she's going to find some way to do it. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was her mom was so insistent on her being in the writer's quadrant. Her dad had trained her to be a scribe. Um, he was supposedly a scribe. We don't really know for sure. Um, maybe he's, he's <laughs> off with Brennan somewhere. Maybe he's not actually dead. I don't believe he's dead. But do you think that the mom is ultimately going to be in on the rebellion? And that's why she pushed Violet so hard? Or does she know that the scribes are hiding stuff and she didn't want Violet to find out by being in the scribe quadrant? I think that the mother was psychotic. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you have a child and she she's got a condition that you constantly criticize her on, you know, not just the condition, but her, you know, her attitude towards things and stuff like that. And you pushing her to ride a dragon into battle. It's like you want her to die, you know. So I question mom's motives for wanting her child to you know, forcing her to go through that. I know you got to have, I think she was going for the domineering parent that expects too much. And and I get all that, but you rarely want to just outright murder your child. And that, it looks like that was her goal. Yeah. Like like there's going to be more to it though. Like that's the obvious thing that she just, it's like, I don't care. But in five books, I feel like something is going to prove that she had other motivations besides I'm a strict parent who doesn't care if you live or die. I mean, but if she had a plan, wouldn't she have intervened more often to make sure that Violet didn't die? Like, clearly Violet didn't need it. But shouldn't she have been a little more present if she could have been? It just... I don't think she had an ulterior motive. I don't I don't think she is that deep. But what right if now. she knows about Zayden and maybe she put him up to protecting her because she knows she, that Brennan's alive? She couldn't have made the dragon choose Violet to make it so that Zayden and her had a, a, a deeper connection besides like bedroom eyes for each other, you know? Well, you deduced it though, Kate. 
and she's in the book and knows who, um, you know, whose dragon is whose. So she probably, you know, she probably could have deduced the same thing that, you know, her daughter and her connection to her older brother who's dead now and everything will all tie into being selected by the biggest, biggest, baddest dragon. I don't know. No, the dragon wasn't supposed to even be there. That's true. Well, I think that the dragons know about the rebellion because they have their own political system and they all talk with each other. And they said that they're picking less writers every time, but all the children of the rebellion are all being selected still. So it's people who are on the other side that are not being selected over the others. So I think the dragons are 100% on board with fighting the Vernon and helping the rebels. And they're mad that that the people in power aren't doing anything. So I think that's why they're not selecting as many people. Um, and I think because Brennan is associated with Zayden and, and the rebellion and protecting against the Vernon, that's why Violet's dragons knew like, okay, her brother is on our side. So I think that's part of why they picked her. Um, I think she was initially probably just supposed to get one of the two. And then they both picked her because her standing up for the feather tail. I think the feather tail um, and Darna, I think that she's going to end up being like, like in power or something like there's like more importance to her than what they've said. I'm pretty sure because it seems weird that two of the strongest, biggest dragons would be protecting uh, one that's not even their own yet. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the dragons know a lot more clearly. Violet's dragons did not tell her everything they knew. They knew they knew exactly what was going on with Zayden. They're like, oh, just trust, just trust. It's fine. Things are happening how they should. So if they're communicating, then wouldn't Violet's mom's dragon also know what's going on? And then that general, his dragon, knows what's going on. And he's his dragon's the one that gave all the, the tattoos to the rebellion's kids. And then it has some thing where because of the tattoos, it can't, the general can't see them if they're in a group more than a couple. So why would that dragon give him a power that makes his rider not be able to see them? So it seems like the dragons are going to rebel against their riders in some cases. Or they're at yeah. least doing as much as they can without breaking their bond. Yeah, so then why, so then why would Violet's mom necessarily be a good guy she could also be a bad guy and her her dragon could be rebelling against her she yeah. just seems like a, a bad character period because i just imagine her every time that that violet got caught by her dragon she's like damn it <laughs> <laughs> why did she splatter on the ground right stop catching her stop catching her but she kind of i feel like she can't show her excitement for her or anything because she's supposed to be in this high ranking role i fully understand she's she's probably bad but it's the connection with the dad that i don't get so it could go one of two ways either she is in on the rebellion stuff and is trying to pretend like she's not and she's trying to protect her kids in her own way and trying to get violet to figure out that her brother's still alive maybe her dad's still alive or she found out that her husband and son were working against her and she tried to have them both killed and Brennan just escaped it. I, I think she's not in on it because she didn't want Violet to have that book that her dad had written the secret message in. And if she was in on it, she would have been like, you better take that book with you. Better so hold she on to killed. That. So you think maybe she was a part of the dad's death? Not necessarily. Because he was clearly think, trying to 
tell Violet about these things that nobody's supposed to know about. I, I think she's not, maybe she wasn't involved. Maybe she was just complicit. Uh, <laughs> or maybe other people killed him because she was like, I'm absolutely not killing my husband. Like, I'll just talk him down. And other people are like, she's not going to be able to talk him down. Let's take him out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't think she's an interesting enough person <laughs> to be as complicated as you want her to be. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Wow. We have five more books, Kate. They got to fill it with something. Like every character is going to have their own book at this rate. I don't know. (laughs) And they're so long. How do you have, I I don't know. We're going to go a lot of places before we get to the end of this, which is why I hate series because I, it's going to be like 20 years before I get resolution to any of this. Or if at all, it could be Game of Thrones and it's (laughs) just never done. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I think that with all the books that are upcoming, if her mom, if Violet's mom, is like a main player throughout all of it. It'd be a little bit disappointing. It seems like it would stunt the growth of Violet as a character. They have to continue to deal with her. Maybe she's going to have to kill her mom and that will be her her big moment. I'll buy that book. (laughs) Fantasy trope, evil parent. Yeah. That's common. (laughs) Well, I think, I I wonder if we're going to have some flashbacks in some of these books like maybe one of the books will be kind of going back to one of her siblings and kind of how all this all the backstory of how this got started because otherwise I'm not sure how she's going to squeeze in the history of all of this and give us all the answers without just having it all in dialogue which is about the the one of the some of the books being prequels yeah or at least like a couple chapters where it's flashing back to someone okay. else's POV. Um, I could see that. Like maybe, um, what was her sister's name? Mira. Yeah. Like Mira's POV from a couple years ago or Brennan's POV from when he supposedly died. So we get that. Because I would really, really hate. And this is like one of the reasons why I tend to hate fantasy is because a lot of times their world building is done through dialogue. And they're like, here, let me tell you this story that's like all the information you need to know over the course of like 20 pages. And I'd rather just somehow be put in that moment. Um, So I really hope that that's not what happens. That was one of my complaints about the second book of the Court of Thorns and Roses series, because the second book was all like that. They're all sitting at a round table and they're like, here, let me tell you the history. Here, let me tell you what happened. Here, let me tell you. I'm like, no, no, stop talking about it. All these names and events, like just, just, put me in into the story um so that's why i'm kind of fearful for how it's going to go moving forward because there's so much that we don't know and how are they going to give us all that information well i'll tell you this if they did if they do a whole book that's a you know a backstory thing i'm i don't know i may just get a pick a sign and protest because it worked (laughs) so well for star wars right to do those prequel movies so i I just don't see having an interest in you know what's going on it would it would seem like an entire book of exposition. I think I don't need that much exposition. Maybe like a little bit of a flashback. The problem is that the first book was all one POV and it's all first person. So now in the second book, if there are multiple POVs introduced, are they also going to be first person? Then it gets like a little bit hard uh, to keep track of like who's first person we're in, especially if they're siblings and they think similarly and have similar experiences. So it's we did have hard. the one chapter that was from Zayden's POV near the end. Mm. So I'm wondering like, what if we 
have Zayden's POV and there's some flashbacks. So he kind of describes what had happened before. Yeah, that, that was that was my problem with this book. One of the problems I did have with the book was that when Zayden had his own POV in his chapter, I was like, oh, finally, you know, uh, some, we're going to hear something from the other side. And it was the last chapter. They should have <laughs> they should have had a little bit more of that from him, possibly Violet's mom, depending on, you know, what's being talked about <laughs> and maybe explain her, her rotten adulting, uh, parenting, <laughs> you know, in that, in that whole deal. I wanted to hear some other POV besides Violet. I, I think- totally forgot about Zayden's POV at the end. It, uh, it clearly didn't make an impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that does open the doors to him having more POV in the next books because it's already been established that she's willing to go to another POV. Okay, yeah. Especially but. if they're going to be separated for a while because it, he's graduated and they had their conflict. She's got to go back to school and pretend like, oh, I don't know anything. So I think we'll probably get more back and forth because we kind of have to know what's going on with both of them when they're apart. I hope so. Oh, okay, let's talk about Zayden, though. I don't like him what? as a romantic... Okay, I don't like him as a romantic <sighs> interest. He's an interesting character. His powers are cool. Romantically, I don't I don't get it. He's just like a hot guy, and she al- Violet almost always is like, and he was so hot, and look at him over there being hot, and look at that <laughs> sexy man. And I'm like, what about his personality is interesting. It, any any tidbit of personality. He's just like grumpy hot goth man standing in the shadows. And I I get it as, as a 20-year-old because Violet's like 20. But I need more to sustain my interest because he is just a hot chunk of meat. And so, like, I can't see him. It sounds like that's, <laughs> more, that's more Violet's fault than Zayden's fault. You know? <laughs> it, yeah. It's the author's fault. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, I, I love some dark romance characters okay as far as like man i've read some dark romances where the male main character is just garbage like garbage filth human being and you're like why are people obsessed with him like he's like beating her up and they're like oh oh he's amazing i don't get it but with zayden you can see that he's been protecting her from day one He's, you know that there's something more from the beginning, that they have a, a connection. And yes, he hasn't shared a lot of his personality, but you do see little glimpses of it come out. Look, my bar is down here when it comes to like <laughs> romance characters. And it's like, they're either so unbelievably cheesy and you're like, well, like, <laughs> stop talking. Or they're so disgusting that they just need to be thrown off a cliff. At least he was like, you feel like he's doing something. He has agency. He's trying to protect her. There's clearly more to it if he knows her brother. Uh, I liked him. I just, he was following her. He was controlling her. Not as obviously as Dane was trying to control her. But he was controlling her and the things that were happening to her without her knowledge or consent. And I dislike that. But if we're comparing Uh Dane to Zayden... Oh, no, no, no. I don't like Dane either. Let's let's take him off the board. He's a no. It's a no from me for Dane as well. Okay, but did you make the connection that I kept forgetting that he was a mind reader and he, he... they kept describing him touching her face so then you think back at the end when it's revealed like oh he's getting your memories when he's touching your face i'm like he's always 
because I thought that was so creepy. I'm like, stop touching yeah. your face. They're just yes. talking. And he's like, oh, just touch your face. No. Yeah, no, he was gross. No, no. He was yeah. using her. And I hated how he's like, oh, just I, I will put you back in the scribes. You are weak. You are going to die. You are frail. I will push you over with my fingertip. <laughs> I At first, I'm like, okay, that's nice. He's really protective. He's trying to help her. But then as he kept going and going, I'm like, oh, my God, stop. You're totally putting her down. You have no faith in her. And that's when I started to think, like, no, he, he does not want her to be a rider for some other reason that either he's trying to be... Pr- super protective he knows that she's gonna die because he knows she's gonna end up being connected with Zayden somehow or he knows about her brother um, or he knows that she's gonna be really powerful and he wants to keep her out of the way well um, here's part of my paper on why I hate Dana <laughs> is it was uh, I think it was a little bit overdone as far as the protective big, big brother thing you know whatever and they tried to make you think that he might have been a love interest but when he got to the point when I mean I, I forget where it was in the book, but he was basically blatantly asked, would you follow the rules or let Violet suffer? And he was like, oh, I'm going to follow the rules. I said, well, forget you. Don't, <laughs> don't even be his friend. You know, I was, why is she even still hanging around with this guy? I was spitting his hair every time I saw him after that. Yeah, he's, yeah uh, he's he clearly, but, but it made no sense because he was still willing to bend the rules in certain cases. And clearly if he's reading her mind without her knowing or reading her memories without her knowing, he's bending rules and breaking her consent that way. So he clearly isn't like, oh, my moral compass is always pointing in the right direction he's just yeah. not doing it for her benefit he's he's awful and um that kind of segues into something else i had a question about it it seemed that clearly some powers were like you know you get applause for and other powers you get murdered so what's the difference between that one guy that was you know getting under control reading minds at a distance and having to touch somebody to read minds it seemed like Dana should have just been killed outright when they found out that he could you know read minds just by touching i mean that's the that was the only the only difference between Dana and that guy that they murdered is that he was reading people's thoughts and everything without touching them. But if you have to touch them, then it's okay. Well, I think it's because he was spouting off like, here's your thought, here's your thought. And they were so afraid that he was going to reveal that the Vernon are still alive because a bunch of the people around there know all these secrets that they don't want revealed. So like, oh, no, take him out before he says something he shouldn't. Whereas Dane's in the pocket of his father. Who's... Yeah, I guess I get that. It's, so they it's can use a... him as an advantage. They're like, well, we can trust you. So I was just this is a secret, with... right? Because other yeah. people aren't supposed to even know what he has. It's just like the people in power that know. That, that clears it up for me, because apparently if you have a power that could reveal the secret, then that's how you get murdered. Because, you know, somebody else has a power and it can... They can burn you like Thor (laughs) and that's cool. But if you just spout off, you know, what somebody had an extra dessert, you know, after dinner, you get murdered. So do you feel like Zayden also has the ability to read thoughts? Because there were some times where, like, I know that him and Violet had the bond through their dragons where they could communicate thoughts, but there were some times where they weren't communicating through the bond and he would respond to something that she had thought. And she even said a few times, like, oh, I didn't think I said that out loud. And even before they had formed their official bond, 
he would sometimes react to something that she had thought, but he's just keeping it a secret because he doesn't want to get murdered for it because that 100% would cause him to get murdered being, you know, the son of, of the rebellion. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the I, I, I do remember what you're talking about, Kate, and I just took it as, you know, even though it wasn't spoken about or, or clearly formed, um, you know, Satan kind of explained that between the four of them, his dragon, her dragon, and themselves, there's going to be this Vulcan mind melt thing going on at different levels. She didn't know how to control it. He was trying to teach her how to control it and how to access it and, and use it. But since he was so skilled at it and doing it for so long, then yeah, he can he can only do that with her. He can't do it with like anybody. Yeah, that could be it. Oh, did you catch that at the very beginning of the story, there's a note that says like, oh, this this whole book is transcribed and a retelling. Um, and the person who is supposedly writing these books is Violet's friend from the school the scribe quadrant that she sees when when they're getting the reports in the morning i don't remember that in the audiobook yeah so i wonder i, I had a i saw something about it and I had to go back and reread it like, oh that's really interesting so i wonder if that could raise the stakes thinking that well if this is being retold by somebody else that gives the out that they, the main characters could die at some point but how is it but how are they getting that's weird when you think the about thoughts? the sex scenes and yeah <laughs> who would be like guess what me and zayden we went at it so hard we broke the furniture which just like uh, maybe i'm Forget old now but i was and like furniture is so expensive to get the furniture, lightning came and broke the glass in you know in the window, and you know it's. But I'll say this: the the sex scenes were way better than the last book we read. Yeah, and the way they were handled, and there's always this little moment of you know you know what's going to happen when somebody can take a lightning bolt up there behind. <laughs> I will say some of the the language in the sex scene took me out. She said the word entrance, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mood <Man>. ruined." <laughs> oh, there have been some really horribly written sex scenes that I have read over the over time, and this this was pretty good compared to some of the ones I read. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is. <laughs> Ugh, but yeah, I think they did a good job having the slow burn that made it um, more more exciting than, you know, the last book. I think you're talking about the Colleen Hoover book where we talked about how I was just like there was there was no build up. There was no chemistry between the characters. So I feel like we had that uh, going for us here. One thing that is kind of exciting, I just saw that they are making this into a TV show. We just got where uh i want to say amazon but i mean really really books like this need to be like hbo or something like that uh court of thorns and roses was supposed to be hulu but it got dropped but really it's like hulu's gonna produce a fantasy <laughs> uh series i don't think so so oh, i don't know i don't watch a lot of amazon shows so hopefully they did well they did um daisy jones and the six they also did uh the new Lord of the Rings thing prequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was on Amazon? Yes. They produced it? I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. I will say, you just threw shade at Hulu, but if Hulu would ever like to produce my fantasy <laughs> book into a TV show, I think they'd do great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, at least Hulu didn't kick everybody off like some other uh, subscription service that shall not be named. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so the ending, so we had a couple big reveals right at the end. So of course you have Brennan still alive, the last line. So we're going to find out more about that. Um, the smaller dragon and Darna, her powers are gone. She had been sleeping it off for a while. So either she's probably going to come back and have even stronger powers or she's going to be like massive the next time she comes back. Um, I really doubt that they're going to say her powers are gone for good. Do you have any predictions about what's going to happen with her? Well, I, I think that that whole stopping time thing is uh, that's something that I really think needs to can continue. I, I want to see that play a, a bigger role in the second and third books. Yeah, I think they can't they can't make her bulk up too fast. Right. Uh, I think by the fifth book, uh, she'll be an adult badass kind of dragon if that's her fate. But she'll have to go through like awkward dragon puberty, uh, which which could be kind of funny. <laughs> so what if she stopped time so she could grow for a bit? Yeah, well, it'd be mm, easier to get through that puberty, right? <laughs> this is an awkward time period. Let me just uh, speed this up. <laughs> exactly. I really like Tarn. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Violet's bigger dragon. I liked that he had a personality that he was kind of sassy. Um, sometimes when you have other thoughts or voices coming in, they can all feel kind of flat. So I really liked that the two dragons stood out in their voices. Um, you could, I read it. Um, actually, I started the audiobook when I was traveling. I got a couple hours into it. And when I, when I travel, I, fall asleep on the plane. So I was like, I missed some important things. So I went back and I just started from the beginning with, with the book. Um, so I didn't get to hear the dragon's voices, um, but just by reading it, I, I have a very clear voice of each of them in my mind, which I'm sure Andarna's voice is going to change as she grows too. Her voice will crack because <laughs> <laughs> of puberty. <laughs> So, are there any other things that we didn't discuss that you want to make sure we talk about? Uh, real quick, um, I just, I just, I don't read fantasy a lot, and I guess I mentally throw things into trope when I do read fantasy because everything in my mind is based on Tolkien. So, so that's the only real fantasy series I've read that I really, really liked. But I, I did enjoy the variety of dragons. You know, instead of just flying and breathing fire and being, you know, boring, and they could. They had other abilities and they had different kinds of tales and, and um, advantages and disadvantages and stuff like that. So I kind of enjoyed the variety of that. It's a minor thing, but I think it made it more read worthy for me. And it was cool that they picked their riders and it seems like the dragons have more power than the humans. I mean, really, it's like they could just turn everyone to ashes, but they don't. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting dynamic that I think going to come out more because it sometimes you read fantasy books where they're all like riding these dragons and yeah they have to create the bond but it just seems like the power dynamic is really more in favor of of the dragons in these books i thought it was hilarious though that they treated being burnt to a crisp like a dog bite <laughs> <laughs> you know you walk in front of somebody else's dragon and they burn you to a crisp out Oh, the spot, spot. That's bad, bad dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Get out the squirt bottle. Yeah, get the dragon. 
It's a big ass squirt bottle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about it, it was advertised as enemies to lovers and uh, false. They were never actually enemies. Zayden was never actually planning to kill her like it, like she thought he was going to. And she was very blind to that fact. And so she was like, we're enemies. And he's like, we're lovers. <laughs> And well, that's what it was. See, I saw something that scares me and it says, what if Dane is the enemies to lovers? Oh, <laughs> no. No, they'd be friends to enemies to lovers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's um, a candidate for burnt to a crisp. <laughs> like, I assume dragon. he's yeah. got to die by <laughs> the end of the series. I mean, there's just, there's no way. And she'll be like, oh, what could have been? I should have saved him. And Zayden will be like, should we break up for a little while? Because she's sad. Because that's what always happens. And then they get back together. Look, okay, so that's like my big fear, too, is that I hate, I hate the like break up and get back together thing. I will stop reading a book if in the third act it's like, oh, we're going to break up. And it's like, oh, that or if they get pregnant in the book. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) They should not put that in this book either. (laughs) Please. But it does. It happens in fantasies. They're like, oops, I forgot to drink my magical tea or whatever they're like. That's what that's always happens. Like, oh, oops. Well, (laughs) guess that's the end of my my arc here. You know. Yeah. I I also thought their argument at the end. They're sort of like at the climax where she's like, "You were in on this the whole time." Like that semi breakup argument thing. That was dumb because all she had to do was be quiet for like five seconds and listen to him and get an explanation. Communication is the key to a relationship, (laughs) dear listeners. Well, she was in her 20s, so I think that was realistic. (laughs) Well, and if she only has Dane to compare things to, then, you know. I mean, she never had to communicate to Dane. He was reading her mind the whole time. (laughs) Touch her face. (laughs) (laughs) Get away. (laughs) I think it I feel embarrassed that I didn't catch on to it sooner. I did think it was weird that he kept touching her face so much, but I just thought he was just really handsy. I'm like, you guys had decided mutually that that this was not going to be a thing and you keep touching her face. I mean, I thought the first time he did it that she like knew he was doing it. There was a sensation and she sort of was aware. And then, yeah, apparently that doesn't happen every time. I don't remember him actually like doing it and saying that he was doing it. He did. Very yeah. first. Well, I remember one scene when he wanted to do it when you know yeah. uh, Violet was gonna reveal, you know, who had attacked her in the room and he was like, That can't be true. Let me touch your face. Yeah, and she's like, No, what the heck? <laughs> like he was so used to just doing it whenever he wanted, but she's like, No. <laughs> do you think he was spying on her thoughts for her mother? Mm. See, but that's where yeah. it's like yeah, he's he's an asset to the people in power. That's why his is a secret, and that's why they haven't killed him for it. But if he ever reveals that he's working for the other side they can kill him instantly because of this power oh, like, yeah but he's working for the mom and the mom's in the establishment right she's so the that's man. why they're keeping him <laughs> yeah but a man <laughs> but imagine like going back to her thoughts and he sees like her and zayden <laughs> together <laughs> he sees but- the lightning bolt on the ass but he did seem <laughs> he's like wait i'm not done <laughs> yeah <he's> like- <laughs> He did seem surprised at the end, though, that she picked him. So if he had been seeing her memories, he shouldn't have been that surprised that she would go with him. But he made some comment right before she left. Because so 
Zayden was supposed to go to the one place and Violet was supposed to go with Dane. And at the last second, she went with Zayden and Dane made a comment like, oh, he's going to get you killed. So Dane 100% knew what was coming. Yes. That there was an attack coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but I just don't get why he acted so surprised that she would choose to go with him if he was actually keeping up with her memories and seeing like, okay, they have a connection. They're a thing. Um, But they I guess they hadn't been that close to each other for that period of time where he could have done it yeah she was avoiding him because he was controlling and manipulative yeah terrible when from that one point when she found out that she was less important than the rules in Mm -hmm. his mind she was like at arm's length i thought it should be longer than arm's length i think that if she got close to him it should be with a two by four hitting upside the head but (laughs) <laughs> she decided to be to take the high road and saying, okay, I'm just going to avoid them. So what do you think is going to happen then with Violet's friend, uh, Rhiannon? Because they were so close. And then if Violet decides to go, do you think Rhiannon will follow her? Or that it's just going to be another point of conflict moving forward? She's going to be fighting against her best friends. I'd rather see that conflict, you know, that's way more interesting. But like yeah. Kate said, it's a communication, right? I feel like if people would just say like, look, this is what's happening then they'd be like, yeah, of course I'm going to help you. I'm going to be on board. Well, I think she's not going to tell Rhiannon for a while out of fear of like, but uh, she'll be endangered with this knowledge. Also knowing that Dane can read people's minds. She'll be like, what if Dane touches Rhiannon? And so she'll keep it to herself for long enough that Rhiannon will find out that she's been lying to her. And then they'll be like, I thought you were my best friend. And they'll have that little spat. (laughs) So, well, I guess that makes sense. Because isn't that Zayden's rationale for why he didn't tell her? Is he was worried about Dane finding out through her memories? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that would make sense. Why to keep people in the dark so that can push the communication (laughs) trope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what would you rate it? Are you going to read the next book? (laughs) Okay. So... I I have complained about this book a lot, but I had fun. Like I said, it was like riding the same roller coaster a second time. Still enjoyed it, even though I knew what was happening because it was the same as another book. And you know, there there were fun twists. I mean, James brought up like the dragon connection is different. The different dragons are fun. You know, that's a that's a new twist on Murder College. So I did enjoy it. I'm actually going to give it four stars because had fun, well written, not a lot of problems except for the basic concept of murder college makes no sense. But other than that, I had fun. I didn't enjoy the romance aspects, um, but that's because I respect furniture too much. (laughs) Uh, And I have high standards for romance because my husband is amazing. So no one can live up to him. (laughs) And I will be reading the sequel. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of torn on this because um, I, I enjoyed reading it so much, but I did have problems with it. So it's it's obviously not a perfect read, but I'm leaning towards giving it the the highest rating because <laughs> I liked it so much. It seems like it's almost unfair to give it anything less than the four stars. I, three and a half seems like okay. It didn't deserve three and a half, and never definitely not three. It was better than that. So I'm gonna say four stars. Well, are we doing it out of four or us out of five? Oh, it's oh, out, it out of five. five? Yeah, five out oh. of five stars. It's out oh, of five. So- okay, solid four out of five. All right, there we go. Have you been doing it out of four this whole time, James? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I get confused. This, <laughs> this That's so why his ratings are so low. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm usually hanging out in the three star territory anyway. I didn't know there was a five. Okay, four four out of five. All right. 
So I actually really enjoyed this book. I am very scared going into the next books because I've been burned by so many first books of series. Hunger Games, Divergent, all of those really popular books that I enjoyed. And then you read the next ones that are garbage because it's like once you once you lose that initial concept, um, I think it's, it's hard. Um, I do think the next book's going to be filler and a lot of backstory. So I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment here, but I am going to give it a five star because I enjoyed reading it. I didn't like I thought the writing was really well done. All the problems I had were more problems with like the character and the characters and just speculating on it. I think it's fine to hate a character, not like how a character is, but still like the book. I think that leads to good conversation. I've been really enjoying getting sucked into the fandom of it and seeing people's theories. And, you know, not all books you could do that. There's I've read a lot of books recently where people are obsessed with them and then you read it and you're like, oh. This was such garbage, especially romance ones. Um, So in comparison to some of those romances, I did really enjoy the romance aspect. I do like the like mysterious shadow love interest. (laughs) 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 I like that character. So I I enjoyed it. Um, So yeah, I'll definitely be reading the next book. I make no promises about reading after the second book because if it is a pile of garbage, I will not continue to waste my time reading (laughs) the next books in the series, but I am excited. The book comes out by the time this podcast is published. I'm not, it it probably will have already come out and I will have already read it, but I do have it on pre-orders. So the day it comes out, I'm probably going to start reading it and hopefully finish it pretty quickly if it's good. (laughs) What was your star rating? (laughs) Five. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, if you guys enjoyed Fourth Wing, do look into The Blood Trials by N.E. Davenport. That's the letters N and E. And there's a second book in that duology called The Blood Gift that is now out. So I'm going to read that along with Iron Flame and tell you oh. if those are also the same plot. Well, oh, that would be hilarious. That, book. <laughs> that would be really funny and sad. <laughs> But if they're coming out, it would be funny. It's are they? They're coming out around the same time, so it's not like she would have read one before writing. No, no, yeah. A blood gift came out in April of 2023, and that's the second of the the blood trials duology. Uh, So they definitely could not possibly have influenced each other. I definitely am not throwing plagiarism accusations, but I'm saying if you liked Fourth Wing, it's very obvious that you all like the blood trials. All right. Could these author and authors actually be the same person, like a Clark Kent Superman deal? And uh, no. they just double According to Amazon, N.E. Davenport uh, is a black woman. And I don't believe that is true of Rebecca Yaros. No. So not. probably not the same person. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if you think about movies too, it's the same thing. It's like there's one, it was like Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached, like came out like the same month in theaters and it was the exact same movie. And yes. it's like, how is this possible that you know, I don't know if someone came up with the idea, pitched it to two different studios, and then they both liked it. And one person's like, Yeah, I'm gonna make that my own. 
I don't think that's the case with books, but it's just really weird how timing can work out where something so similar can come out at the same time. Well, I found out yeah. um, in my study of the movie industry, which I'm trying to break into America, I have scripts that are available. And uh, <laughs> um, a lot, lot of times the, the trend is one of the things that leads to success is find out what's being made and basically do it in your own style. That's what I mean. They tell you to do that. And when you're doing your pitch, it's okay to say, oh, this is a this is a movie like such and such. This is like Braveheart meets Barbie. And then they say, okay, both of those were hits and they let you write the screenplay. So it happens a lot more in movies than in books, I, I would assume. Well, it happens all the time in books too. When you're pitching a book, that's exactly what people do. They're like, it's this book and this book mixed with a little bit of this character from this book. Um, so people definitely use that as a point of comparison all the time. I think usually they're overplayed. Like not every book is like these really wildly popular books um but it it kind of gives people frame a reference to be like oh i liked that book maybe i'll like this book too yeah and of course with uh the website that used to be known as twitter uh <laughs> agents and editors would tweet hashtag mswl manuscript wishlist and then sometimes they would retweet each other's and be like i want this too so these two editors and i just checked they were published by different publishing houses probably could have done something like that where one was like i really want a romantic enemies to lovers murder college and someone else could have been like yes girl me too mm-hmm. and then their two agents would have been like i'll send it to all of these editors and they just plucked them right up yeah. yeah definitely all right well we are going to be reading the second book in the series iron flame by rebecca yaros Uh, So if you want to read it, join the discussion, uh, come back to our next episode where we will be discussing that in detail. If you have any thoughts about Fourth Wing that you want to share, definitely reach out to us on social media and let us know. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out.